0: Okay, you've set your goals. Are they realistic? Is there one that scares you a little bit? And how are you going to measure them? That's what we're getting into in this episode. Welcome to Beauty and the Gee, the podcast about jujitsu and so much more. I'm Jen Eads, a blue belt full of curiosity and questions about all the things jujitsu.
1: And I'm AJ Klingerman, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, brown belt, obsessed with jiu-jitsu.
0: Welcome to the podcast. If you are new here, we've got a starter pack of episodes for you with some of our favorite episodes and some that some of our listeners have said are their favorite episodes. You'll find that link in the show notes where it says start here. So we're going to continue our discussion and dive a little bit deeper into the discussion around setting goals for 2022? Because I know you have some thoughts on that.
1: I want to just talk about like setting realistic goals and goals that you can uh, control. So you don't want to say, I want to get my blue belt next year, or get my purple belt next year, or, you know, get so many stripes on my belt, because you don't always have control over that. Now, if your school does promotions based on check-ins alone, then yeah, you probably have some control. Like if you know you only have 50 more check-ins before you get your next belt, then you know you have to go at least once a week in order to do that. Great. That's something you can measure. That's something you can track. Yeah. But a lot of schools don't do that, so that's not really a good goal for you to have. A better goal is just, you know, working on improving. So maybe knowing what your coach looks for and how can you improve in each of those areas. So, for example, you know, we kind of base promotions on time in, um, on competition, uh, or how well you compete, on how well you know the moves, your technical knowledge, and how well you roll with your peers. So, when you, like, look at that and, you know, maybe make some notes, take some time to, like, journal about each of them and know that, okay, maybe last year you did a bunch of tournaments, um, win or lose, you you competed a lot last year, um, but you didn't attend class much. So maybe you know your time in isn't really as significant. So if you're looking to you know try to get promoted, um, then you know that that's something you need to increase. You need to increase the amount of classes you're attending, Um, or if you are like, I'm not really sure how my technical knowledge is. You know, like I have a couple of things I'm really good at, but maybe. You know, could I do the entire blue belt curriculum or could I teach it? Because, like, at Purple Belt, we're kind of expecting you to be able to teach those moves. So, just kind of, you know, taking some time to like journal and really get honest with yourself and then kind of setting goals from there. Okay, so my technical knowledge isn't that great. Maybe I want to spend, you know, some extra time working on those things, or maybe I want to do like four privates the first quarter to like really get to know the the moves that I don't know as well. Things like that. So those are things you can focus on more and things that you can improve, things that you can, you know, set better goals towards. I often think like, what's the overall goal? Now let's break it down. How do you get there? So like talking about, you know, one of your goals is um competing at worlds, right? Yeah. So like let's talk about some good Yet things. Still a goal. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's still early in the year. <laughs> so let's talk about some things that like are good goals to help you with that you know like you can't really make your goal I want to win worlds I mean obviously that's what we all want that's what we you know we all want to (laughs) win but there's a lot that goes into that that's out of your control you know you you can't control how everyone else is uh, competing that day anything like that so what can you control what can you do to prepare to
0: compete slash try to you know do well at Worlds. I could uh, come up with a game plan and then consistently work that game plan when I go to class. Yeah. And then, you know, like making sure that you're in class on a regular
1: basis so that you can work that game plan. Because the only way you're going to find holds in your game plan is by trying to use that game plan against various people.
0: Well, and also competing and doing more local tournaments. So that's one of the things that I'm committed to To build up so I can see where those holes are and what I need to work on.
1: Yeah. And then after you compete at a local tournament and see where those holes are, then you watch the videos and you talk to your coach and you really evaluate like what needs to be changed or worked on, like what you need to work on to improve. So you can't just like, I'm going to compete and I'm going to realize I kind of I lost, I don't really know why, (laughs) you know, like you have to like actually take the time to like evaluate it and figure out what you could have done better. Um, You know, like, are there things that you need to work on or did the person you went against just completely outclass you or, you know, there's lots of little things to that. I'm sure
0: we'll find lots of things I can work on. And that'll be fun. I mean, that's part of it. That's part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know,
1: like when I talk about um, wanting people to compete, it's not just for the competition aspect. Now, there is a part of it that is for competition. You know, me, I always said one of the main reasons I was competing so much pre-2020 was because my nerves were so bad. So... I think I had gotten down the part of like preparing for a tournament. Like I was doing really good at that type of thing. And I was doing good at like checking the tape afterwards, but my nerves were so bad during competition um, that that's why I wanted to compete more. That's where my biggest hole in my game was. So, you know, competition is important, but to me what's also important is the actual training leading up to it and the checking the tape afterwards.
0: One of the things that I'm also going to do. So I started reading this book called Traction, you know, like for all the businessy things. Yeah. But it has this idea of keeping this scorecard and it's those things that are it's not the outcomes. It's measuring the things that you do have control over. So I'm going to pick like three to five things and make a scorecard for that every week and just see where I land with that because I've got to have that. That accountability. So, I'm probably going to send my scorecard to you too. So, you know what the heck I'm doing. I love that. Just because I need that additional accountability. Like, I need a grown up in my life to be like, Are you doing this stuff? You said you were going to do this. Are you doing it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, sometimes, like, I really am like texting people and just, you know, like, are you drinking enough water today? You know, like, have you eaten yet today? You know, like just things like that. Like, I know you plan to train tonight. Like, are you taking care of yourself leading up to training? Because you don't want to get on the mat and feel like crap tonight if you want to have a good training session. So sometimes I really am texting people and asking those kind of questions. Like, Hey, you said you're going to do this. Are you doing it?
0: Water consumption is definitely going on my scorecard because I failed miserably in that category this past year. I mean, like probably for most of my life, but, and it's one of those really small things that I can change. Like it's, it's not this giant change in behavior. It's drink more water. It's not that hard. Yeah. But for some reason it seems to be.
1: Yeah. You just have to make it intentional You know, it's just has Mm -hmm. to be something that you're like, I'm going to drink this much water today. And I know that I want to do it earlier on in the day, because if I do it at night, I'm going to be up 10 times to pee.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, one of the other things it talked about in this book is assigning a number. Like if I assign myself a number of I've got to drink, you know, five glasses of water or how many ever ounces that is. And I keep that number somewhere that I can see it, like Mm -hmm. maybe in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, I'm going to focus on that because it's going to be front and center. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I didn't hit my water number. And then I'm going to disappoint my coach. (laughs) And that would be bad. That's the worst. It is. It's like not even about disappointing myself, (laughs) which technically I think it should be. But I'm going want to disappoint my, you know, coach slash podcast (laughs) co-host. That would be bad. You know, Gretchen Rubin from the
1: Happier Podcast has the different like tendencies. And so one of them is more, um, I think upholder is the one that like you do it for yourself and your other side, other people. But then one of them is like yourself doesn't really matter. It's what other people expect out of you that you're more likely to do that for other people.
0: I'm, I'm that one.
1: (laughs) I can remember three of the four and the one we're talking about is the one I can't remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes on podcast recording day.
1: Exactly. It's fine. <laughs> so some other types of goals that you can set that are things that you can track are, you know, like how many rounds you want to get in a month. A couple of years ago, a lot of people were posting about wanting to get a hundred rounds in a month. And so then it became, okay, break that down how many classes do you attend a week? Okay. If you attend, you know, three classes a week, how many rounds do you need to get in each class in order to hit a hundred for the month? So that's just kind of what we're talking about, about being able to track it is if you set a goal, a lot of times I ask for what everyone's goals are for the next year on my Facebook page. And then I go back and read them all years later. And I had a guy say that he wanted (laughs) to do like 650 rounds in a year. And so then I was like, okay, have you broken that down? Because really that's not a ton if he's like looking, you know, at it on a class by class basis, how many classes he attends a week. But the important part is that you, you really look and you break it down. Otherwise you'll never know if you can make it or not, or it'll be the end of the month and you'll be like, man, I'm 20 rounds short and I only have one day left to train. So (laughs) And that sounds exhausting. I've done 20 rounds. Yeah, I've done 20 rounds in a day, but I don't (laughs) recommend it. (laughs) In January of 2020, I hit 151 rounds that month. Wow. It was, yeah, the goal was 150. And we just did one more just in case, you know, I counted poorly or something.
0: (laughs) Gotta have the safety round.
1: Exactly. Yeah. One to grow on. You can also set goals of like you know, how many tournaments you're looking to compete in this year, or, you know, that you'd like to attend a couple seminars, or maybe your goal is, you know, you want to do role model camp or, you know, something like that, like (laughs) events that you want to attend. Yeah. Those are
0: also good ones too.
1: One of the things I really want to recommend for people's goals is to have a notebook. I mean, I know we talk about it a lot, but I think 2022 is going to be the year of the notebook. Okay. (laughs) Let's keep I notes love it. because there's no way you're going to track how many rounds you're doing or how much water you're drinking or um, you know what moves you're learning or anything like that if you don't have a place to write it down. If you want to write it in your phone or your computer, if you prefer digital, that's fine. I just want you to have a notebook of some sort for
0: 2022. I've got, I've got a notebook. I at least have that. Yes. Since we were talking about goals in the last episode, it was really fun to have some listeners like send DMs and let us know what some of their goals are for 2022. So if you want to do that, we're hanging out on Instagram at Beauty and the Gee Podcast. Send us a message. Let us know what your goals are. And if you have a notebook and what you're tracking and all the things and, you know, play along at home. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we'll do. But we had a question about, so it seems like a lot of people like competing for the first time, is kind of on their minds this year. Great. And somebody had asked, like, what are the difference between like all the tournaments like the IBJJF and, you know, there's PANS and and Worlds and Masters and you know, like all the things they're like, what's the difference between all of that?
1: Okay. So and just to clarify, this is strictly talking about the different types of IBJJF tournaments or different types of tournaments in general.
0: Why don't we do different types of tournaments in general? Okay and then like maybe what some of the requirements are for like IBJJF. Okay.
1: All right. So going with all the different types in general, um, we'll dive into IBJJF a little more at the end of this part, but you know, the small local tournaments, basically most are single elimination. And that means when you lose, you're done. Uh, The only time that that, isn't true is if you fight for third. So in a federation tournament, which is single elimination, they don't fight for third. You share third place. But in most tournaments that are single elimination, they only want to give out one medal. (laughs) So um, you're usually fighting for third place. So maybe you lost and then you're going to fight one more round. But other than that, you know, single elimination, you lose, you're out. Then there's like a round robin tournament. So round robin tournament, you're typically going to fight everybody in the division. Some tournaments run round robins differently, but typically you're gonna fight everyone in the division. Um, and you're often getting points for different things. So like there's a local tournament here, kind of a small tournament, and you're getting you know, maybe three points for submitting your person and winning, and then one point for winning by points. And then those points add up at the end. And that's how you know what place you are on the podium. Uh, So that's kind of interesting because you can actually beat somebody, but they accumulate more points than you. So they get first place and you get second. Um, So it's kind of interesting how that works, but you're likely to get more matches in a round robin style tournament. Fuji tournaments, which I always highly recommend Fuji. Fuji's a sponsor of the role model camps. um, And Tim's a great guy and typically good at, you know, like listening to for, he wants to improve. Right. Um, and the Fuji tournaments I think have gotten better and better and that's a single elimination style tournament. Then like grappling industries, um, which is pretty, you know, nationwide also, um, is a round robin. So the Arnold's, uh, if you go to the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, um, that is, uh, a round robin tournament. Federation wise, there are a few things. One, white belts cannot do no You have to have a blue belt in order to do any no tournament for the federation. So you also have to have a coach sign off on your paperwork. So um, everyone has to be a card carrying member to compete in a federation tournament. It's like 35, 40 bucks a year to do that. So it's not too much. And your coach has to sign off on it. Um, so your coach then has to be like registered and everything in order to do that. You have to be under a second degree or more black belt. So they pay a lot of money to be able to do that. <laughs> um, but they have to be able to sign off as far as like any qualifications to, to compete aside from getting the signature and being a blue belt. If you want to do nogi anybody can do like master's worlds. Anybody can do adult worlds up to brown belt. Black belts for adult worlds actually have to qualify. So for each tournament that you're placing in, you're accumulating points, which is how they do their rankings. So black belts, adult black belts have to accumulate so many points in order to go to adult worlds. Good to know, I didn't didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, so in order to even compete at adult worlds, you have to have points and a, a certain amount of points. And so what you'll find is At Black Belt. At Black Belt. Black Belt alone. Um, But it's kind of cool because that makes the Black Belts compete at more of the like opens. So like Indy Open, Chicago Open, Atlanta Open, Nashville Open, like any of those like what you consider smaller federation tournaments, there's more Black Belts competing in those simply because they're trying to get enough points to compete at Worlds. And so people will fly. Um, you know, from California to Indianapolis just to compete at that tournament because they need enough points to do worlds. Cool. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Other than that, though, no real qualifications. You don't have to, you know, compete a bunch of times in order to do master's worlds. You can do master's worlds and no other tournament at all. Yay. I really like a local tournament. I think they're, they're good. Obviously they're going to be more inexpensive for you, both from a registration part and, you know, hopefully you don't have to travel. Um, but the local tournaments, you know, a lot of times you're fighting, you know, your teammates or something like that. Um, and as you get higher rank, it's sometimes harder to find matches in a local tournament. Not a lot of female Brown belts around, um, competing at a Fuji. (laughs) There just isn't like Heather best is probably one of the only ones that like is actively competing around here as a Brown belt wanting to do a local tournament, but she's half my weight Um, so (laughs) not really half but you know um, (laughs) not really interested in fighting me but a federation tournament That's one good thing is like, you're more likely to have somebody in your age bracket where, you know, I'm doing masters three. So I know that the person I'm fighting is going to be 41 or older. (laughs) So they may have dropped down, Mm -hmm. but they're at least 41 years old. (laughs) So you just know that somebody's going to be a little more, you know, closer to your age and your weight. um, And obviously your experience. Now you might move, like I could do adult. Um, I've done adult for like Vegas open and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, then I'm dropping down and fighting 18 year olds potentially, but (laughs) I like the Federation because you're more likely to have somebody in your own class. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Something I just want you to kind of think about too, is like, don't feel, I guess, any different about the results of like a, a Fuji or worlds. I mean, you know, obviously amazing if you win worlds, but for some people, that Fuji tournament is their worlds. You know, they'll never go compete at a federation tournament. Like whether it's because they don't like it or because, you know, they don't have a coach that can sign off on them or whatever, they can't afford to travel. For some people that Fuji is their worlds. So, you know, whether you win or lose or whatever, just know that like the competition is kind of the same.
0: We had another listener question about ranked rash guards and... Is it okay to wear a ranked rash guard if you're not that rank? Because you know, maybe you just like the color. Yeah, Um, I mean, I have to
1: agree with that. Like purple is the best. So, um, you know, I'm (laughs) I'm happy to sell anyone a purple rash guard. I think that's based on your own coach and your own environment at your school. For us, I don't care what you wear as far as what rank you're wearing. It might get confusing to like some of the new people or something. If you're doing no gi, they're like, oh, that's a brown belt. And they're like, actually, it's a white belt. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So you don't typically compete in a ranked rash guard that isn't your rank, even if it's under your gi. But as far as class goes, I don't care. But you need to ask your coach. So some coaches definitely will only allow you to wear your certain rank which kind of stinks for a white belt because a lot of times they don't make white belt ranked rash guards because you don't mm-hmm. need them for competition anyway. Cause you're not doing federation tournaments in no gi. So I think that's a coach's decision. And we say this as I'm wearing my brown belt ranked alchemized rash guard. <laughs> yeah, that is sharp. Isn't it nice? I like it a lot. Yeah. I got it for Christmas. It's very cute.
0: Yeah. I might have to get one of those. Yeah.
1: Very nice. I highly recommend short sleeves, too. Very nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I'm sure it's going to look great in blue.
1: Yeah. It'll be beautiful. So Alchemize is another sponsor of Role Model Camp this year. They'll have a booth um, at camp, so you can you could get your rash guard there if you have the ability to wait. I don't think you want to do that, but... <laughs> You can get it now. You can get more stuff from them later. Um, But yeah, so they're going to be a sponsor again at Role Model Camp. And we have announced it on the Role Model Radio podcast. But I'd like to go ahead and tell our audience who our third black belt is. uh, And that is Dominica Obellanite. So I'm very excited to have her come uh, teach and she's going to be running the session uh, Saturday afternoon at the role model camp. So um, I know a lot of people are really excited to have her come out and teach. Uh, everyone I've ever heard that's learned from her just absolutely loves her teaching and her teaching style. And they say that, like, she's really good about her moves being good for all body types. Oh, good. Yeah. So I'm very excited to have her. And if you don't know who she is, you know, definitely look her up. Um, we have, you know, links to her on her, like her Instagram and everything, but yeah, check her out for
0: sure. Ooh, that's exciting.
1: Also, we're doing some, uh, the workshops like we have in the past. So on Friday, if you've never been to a role model camp on Friday, during the day, we offer like sit down workshops, teaching on different things. Like in the past, we've done some on like injury prevention or nutrition, strength training, that kind of stuff. Well, this year, we're going to do a couple workshops like that, and then we're going to do some roundtables. And I just thought the roundtables would be good because you could kind of build your own uh, track a little better. You could figure out what your own interests are and go and talk to somebody about that. So there'll be, I believe, five roundtables together, each one about 20 minutes long throughout Friday. Um, So you'll get to just go and talk to an expert about that subject. So I'm really excited about how that's going to turn out.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, And then I'm going to do some business coaching at camp. So that's going to be very limited. It's not going to be um, an extra cost or anything, but there will be a sign up for that. But yeah, I'm going to do some business coaching. Um, we've owned our school for 22 years now and I've been a business coach since 2012. So I just thought it would be good to kind of help the the role models a little bit with their business stuff. So
0: nice. So, you know, some things,
1: I know a few things, you know, I've run a couple businesses.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really exciting.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'm getting super excited for camp. I couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> What do we have for on and off the mat tips?
0: I'm going to go with, and actually, I think that this could be used on or off the mat, but track and measure your goals and keep them in front of you.
1: I think that's great.
0: Anything to add to that?
1: No, I love that. I like keeping them in front of you. And I just, you know, like review them often, make sure that you're actually taking time to like, not just have them posted in front of you, but, you know, look at them and think about them.
0: Uh, something that I'm going to ask our friends to do that are listening is, since this year's all about the notebook, take a picture of your notebook, post it on Instagram, and tag us so we can see it. I love that. I love that.
1: I'll I'll post my new notebook that I got for Christmas. So it's very cute.
0: Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you post that picture on Instagram, tag us at Beauty and the Geek Podcast, or I'm also on Instagram at Brassy Broad Jen.
1: And I'm AJ Klingerman everywhere you go, except on TikTok where I'm role model and I'm role model everywhere as well. It's confusing.
0: All right, friends. Thanks for hanging out and we will see you on On the the mat. mat.